Bitcoin isn't private, or is it? But if it isn't private, does that even matter in the grand scheme of things? Let's talk about it today. What's going on, everybody? It is your boy, Crypto Bobby. I hope you are having a great day, great night, wherever you're watching or listening in from. And today, yes, we're going to talk about Bitcoin privacy and whether or not Bitcoin is private and whether or not that really matters in the grand scheme of things in the current situation in the long term. And a lot of this is, is stemmed by an issue today, an indictment from a U.S. grand jury with a dark web website that dealt with child pornography, which is obviously a terrible thing. I don't want to fall into the Vitalik world of debating that versus heroin or anything like that. But there was a dark web website called Welcome to Video that again, dealt with child pornography. And they used Bitcoin to process transactions. And because of the fact that they used Bitcoin, they and their users ended up getting caught, which brought up this whole debate about Bitcoin not being private, not being anonymous, and that that may or may not be a a, a bad thing for Bitcoin. The, the lack of of privacy with Bitcoin as it relates to something like this issue. So I want to talk about that in a lot more in today's discussion. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at Zapier. Look, growing a business is hard. Trust me, I know with proof of talent, especially when you're wasting time and energy every single day, moving data from your emails to spreadsheets to your CRM, that type of stuff should happen automatically, right? Without having, having to lift a finger and Zapier can help. Zapier is the easiest way to automate all of your work, it connects your business software and handles the work for you so you can focus on the things that matter. At Proof of Talent, I use Zapier to connect my applicant tracking system to my website and automate the sending of emails to the people that I work with. Saves me a ton of time, a ton of energy, and connects all my systems seamlessly. And right now, through November, you can try Zapier for free by going to our special link, zapier.com slash Bobby. That is Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash Bobby for your free 14-day trial, zapier.com slash Bobby. There was uh, relatively big news that came out, and this was around this welcome to video site, which dealt with illicit videos on the dark web and chain analysis brought this story to light with the department of justice and if you're not familiar with chain analysis i've talked about it on the channel before and it's definitely worth understanding and worth knowing about so today the department of justice announced the shutdown for them it was the largest ever shutdown of a child pornography site and they found over 300 users in 38 countries that they've been able to arrest. They also found minors that they were able to, I guess, rescue and save, which is obviously uh, a good thing as a whole. But at a high level, this website operated out of South Korea. It was a South Korean citizen that ran it and allowed users to buy content, illicit videos, illegal videos with Bitcoin or to upload their own. And they, as, as a user, I guess, you would register for an account and you would have a specific Bitcoin 
uh, address that was tied to that account or multiple addresses if you had multiple accounts, whatever it was. But all in all, the site had 1.3 million Bitcoin addresses registered to it. And that was between 2015, 2018. The site earned nearly $350,000 worth of Bitcoin uh, amongst thousands of individual transactions. So in the grand scheme of things, $350,000, probably not all that much um, in comparison to traditional Bitcoin transactions and in the grand scheme of things. But obviously when you look at what that was used for, sure, it's still a big deal. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where, where that stood. But why is this important? Why does Why are we talking about this in any way whatsoever? Well, it's important because the government was able to, or multiple federal agents were able to, to determine, okay, these individuals are buying these illicit videos utilizing Bitcoin. So how do we find these individuals? Well, we can track their Bitcoin transactions. And the relatively crazy thing about how this occurred is that the vast majority of these transactions actually were sent from exchanges from KYC individuals. So if we look here and we zoom in on this document, we can see that Chainalysis, again, they track Bitcoin and blockchain data and analytics. So they can tell when somebody sends money from one place to another, and if they've ever KYC'd through, if they've ever completed Know Your Customer KYC, they've ever KYC'd through any of that, they can track that person and find where they're paying and how they're paying and how they're utilizing Bitcoin or other crypto assets. So you can see here that people were paying for these illicit videos with Bitcoin directly from exchanges where they were KYC'd. So you could see Binance here, you could see Bittrex, you could see Huobi, you could see Zappo, you could see Poloniex, you could see Kraken, you could see a variety, uh, you could see Coinbase, a variety of different websites. So how did these people get caught, essentially? Bitcoin is supposed to be this private anonymous cryptocurrency that the media loves talking about, right? You know, you could do anything you want with Bitcoin because it's private and it's anonymous. Well, the key here is the on and the off ramps with Bitcoin. If you have ever gone to Coinbase or to Bittrex or to Kraken and you sign up on Coinbase and I say, hey, my name is Rob Payone and here's my birthday and here's my ID and here's all my information. Coinbase is going to give me a Bitcoin address. They're going to tie my information to that Bitcoin or to multiple Bitcoin addresses. And then in the future, if I ever send that Bitcoin to another place, there are services that Coinbase and other exchanges use that tie my information to those addresses. So even if it is not on Coinbase anymore, Coinbase or these other exchange or these other services such as the Chainalysis will know, hey, that was Rob Payone that sent his Bitcoin to some hardware wallet potentially or to another wallet, doesn't necessarily matter, but they'll know that was Rob Payone that sent that information somewhere. So what happens in this scenario? Well, federal agents such as the Department of Justice, such as the FBI, such as international law enforcement, whatever it might be, they have contracts with Chainalysis. And they can use Chainalysis to find the information of somebody who sent their Bitcoin from an exchange to an illicit website. They can identify, hey, this is an illicit website and this person 
paid for something from Coinbase to that illicit website. And that is essentially how, at a, at a pretty high level, how a lot of this went down. Now, why does this matter in the grand scheme of things when you're looking at it? Well, there's a relatively interesting conversation that was sprung up by Joe Weisenthal, who works at Bloomberg. And a lot of people will debate this and call it FUD or whatever you might want to call it, which is fine. But I think it still does bring up a relatively interesting debate because there are some merits to his points and there are some uh, some parts of it that are relatively easy, easily debatable. So Joe had a whole tweet storm, but at the kind of high level, his crux is every time there's a big criminal bust involving Bitcoin, in this case, this uh, video, illicit video website. Uh, so every time there's a big criminal bust involving Bitcoin and people's identities are revealed, the hodlers come out and say, we never said it was anonymous. The blockchain is public. Everyone can see it. We just claim it's permissionless. Sorry, but that's garbage. And here's why. Then he goes on to say the key reason now is that Bitcoin is being pitched as digital gold, not as a medium of exchange, but of a store of value. And then crucially, the question is, where is that value being stored? And then goes into saying gold has historically done a great job of storing your purchasing power. And in his opinion, the theoretical value of Bitcoin stores in the freedom to transact. If you're deplatformed from banks because your views are unpopular, uh, odious or illegal, nobody in the Bitcoin ecosystem can prevent you from transacting. So if Bitcoin can't offer anonymity to users when they do at times have to transact, then it's useless because if you can be identified by the government, then you're punished and therefore de facto censored until true anonymity or near anonymity is developed into Bitcoin. It's incomplete and not delivering on its promise. So it's a lame defense to say it was never meant to be anonymous nonsense without anonymity. There's no censorship resistance and no store of value. I would disagree on a number of different points, but I do think that it is worth discussing at a high level because he does make interesting he does make some interesting statements around Bitcoin and the usefulness of Bitcoin. And why do I say it's it's interesting? Well, he is right that in the standpoint of if you are participating in something that is nefarious from the government or deemed not politically correct, there, there's a variety of things. But if you are participating in something that the government or regulators don't like, there is a high likelihood that you will be quote unquote, deplatformed. But when we're looking at deplatformed in this context, it's mostly around illegal things. And it doesn't matter what currency you're dealing with. If you are participating in illicit activities, people that there, there are incentives in place for, for governments and for, for regulators to ultimately find you as a, as a person. The, the Bitcoin network itself the key thing to me, at least, is the Bitcoin network itself is never going to censor you. The miners probably, for the most part, miners aren't going to care what your transaction is for. As long as they're getting paid to do so, they're going to participate in the facilitation of that transaction. On the other end of the spectrum, if you are transacting in Bitcoin and it is for purposes that other individuals such as governments deem to be uh, illegal, illicit, whatever it might be, then you can certainly be in trouble if you are not very, very careful about the privacy of your Bitcoin transactions. So that is something of note. And the key always does come down to the on and the off ramps. 
That is the big thing where a lot of people have traditionally, again, believed that Bitcoin is anonymous or because I, you know, when I send my Bitcoin to an address, nobody's going to know who it is because maybe I just created that address, whatever it might be. But if you've ever KYC'd, if you've ever gone through a process of know your customer on a regulated exchange, your information in the Bitcoin world is out there on centralized services such as a chain analysis and the government most likely knows who you are, where you're going, what you're doing when it does come down to your Bitcoin and to your cryptocurrency trading. So that's something you definitely want to think about. Whether you're doing something perfectly normal, perfectly fine, trading, having a good time, storing your value, that's fine. Uh, or if you're doing something completely illicit and, and bad, either way, there's a good chance folks know in the background that might be you. So no, Bitcoin isn't fully private. And no, I don't think you should expect full privacy when transacting in Bitcoin, especially again, if you have KYC'd and attached your identity to your Bitcoin at any point in time. Is that a detriment to the future of Bitcoin? No, I don't believe so. A lot of this does come down to on-ramps and off-ramps and then increasing privacy solutions such as lightning such as mixers and things of that sort that is a whole nother subject of discussion that you could really dive very deeply into but no i don't think this impacts the long-term value of bitcoin and or the store of value thesis and and a lot of the things that joe talked about but i do think that it is certainly worth a high level bit of discussion now on the other end of the spectrum when you are talking about exchanges and we're talking about centralized exchanges a lot here, right? Tying your identity to it. One thing that I think is interesting, and we've seen a lot of discussion on Twitter about this exchange in particular, but there's others out there as well. And this is is Biaxi or, or Bixi. I don't even know how to pronounce it. But this was an exchange that a ton of people talked about on Twitter in the past. They had a, a very popular referral program. They have a token and it is based in the U.S. And they were claiming, and the people online were claiming that this, hey, this is going to be the Binance killer. This is going to come out. It's going to come out of the gate hot. It's really going to crush it. And this is going to be a super popular cryptocurrency exchange. And the Axie has since really in the past like three, four months since it launched, basically fallen on its face. Today, it has $20,000 in volume in 24 hours. That is a centralized exchange. And the lesson to me here is when you're when you're evaluating a centralized exchange, if you are a trader or if you're on the very off chance thinking of starting your own centralized exchange, which I would highly advise you not to do. But if you're evaluating a, a centralized exchange right now, the incumbents, the ones that are already in existence are actually pretty good. No matter how much people want to bitch and moan about Coinbase or Binance, or Gemini, or Kraken, for whatever reason. Maybe you had a bad customer support experience. Maybe you think the fees are too high, whatever. For however much people want to bitch and moan about the, the existing options, you need to make your new exchange differentiated. And if you don't, nobody's going to use them. And differentiation in the crypto world is not doing the exact same thing as somebody else with a referral program. Maybe that could work for a short amount of time in 2017, but we're not in 2017 anymore. We're in 2019 where 
real businesses need to be created. And if you are not innovating and creating new products, if you are not creating any type of differentiation around your exchange, then you're not going to have a lot of success. And you could see a company that raised a good amount of money like Biaxi that has a lot of employees and they're not having much success off the top. And part of that is just the prioritization of marketing and a focus on crypto Twitter and places like that, which I don't think have as much value as a lot of people place on them, at least not at a given time. Crypto Twitter now, and I love it, my favorite place, but it's basically the same 1,000 people yelling back and forth and back and forth at each other and getting mad at each other about a bunch of random different shit. So it's it's a smaller group of people than it than it used to be and relying solely on that and not focusing on things like hey you know maybe what matters on a cryptocurrency exchange like liquidity and relationships with market makers and having assets that people want that may be a little bit differentiated from other exchanges or even different products too that type of thing is is important to have any type of of success in the long run if you are coming into a new business and you're trying to compete with something like a Coinbase or a Binance or a Gemini. There is no reason, at least for me, probably for a lot of other people to trade on something like a Biaxi versus going to Coinbase or to, to Binance. I can buy every single thing. I can trade every single thing there that they have other than the native Biaxi token. So there's no reason to go there. Why would I want to? I wouldn't. On the other end of the spectrum, You've had some other exchanges that have been centralized exchanges that have launched in the in the you know recent times. FTX is one that a lot of people have looked at now. Not available to U.S. traders, but it is a derivatives platform that has a lot of exotic assets and tokens that are relatively innovative in comparison to other exchanges. Are there issues with? The, the the company that runs it, potentially market making or being the sole market maker on their own platform. Yeah, there, there are a lot of issues that you can get into with it. But the fact that they have these leverage tokens and these moon doom tokens and things like that, relatively innovative stuff in comparison to just having a ETH to BTC pair that nobody cares about. And it's a lot more liquid on other exchanges. So when you are looking at these different businesses, especially centralized exchanges that have these established footholds, in the industry, if you're going to start something, do something with some differentiation because you're just going to sit there and not have all that much success if you're not differentiated. And finishing up with some commentary as, as Crypto Bobby, your favorite entrepreneur in the Bitcoin crypto industry. So as a lot of you guys know and, and girls know, I uh, started Proof of Talent recently. And in the past four months or so, Building a business in the crypto world has had, uh, obviously, its set of uh, enjoyable times and unique challenges. But something that I've realized very much, and I think this applies to just all business in general, but one of the things that I have very much realized is how important it is to play the long game. And this could be with content on YouTube, tweeting, with building just relationships, but Playing the long game is so important when it comes to building something sustainable and specifically with proof of talent. Like every business relationship that I have, I, I have very limited time at this point and I try to treat every relationship with as much respect and attention as I possibly can. And especially now too, where I've had a lot of scenarios where I've had these seemingly inconsequential conversations with people 
months ago. I've talked to somebody and I don't have anything good for them or their company doesn't seem like a good fit to work with, or they're just, they're not, we're not the ideal partner together. And it seemed like a pretty inconsequential conversation. Not much is going to happen from it. Right. But three months later, four months later, they maybe introduced me to somebody that they know that turns out to be very influential or has a need that I could really help out with. Or maybe they have a friend that's coming into the job market, or maybe there's a hiring manager that I spoke to three months ago. That was that one company needed help hiring and actually left the company that they were at now is looking for a job or somebody was a CEO at a company and they ended up transitioning out of that company. And now they're looking for a new job opportunity. So I've realized that you never know what's going to happen from some of the conversations that you might have. And while things might seem not significant in the time, always treat them with as much respect uh, and attention as you possibly can, because you never know what might come of certain things in the future. So that's my, my quick little Bobby, the entrepreneur. This is some of the things that I've just seen and gotten a chance to learn uh, really over the past three months. And I, I mean, I've, I've known that over time. I've worked at a lot of large companies where different sales deals and things like that have happened just from long-term effort. But it, it's been super apparent to me with proof of talent, especially with an industry that's as small as the crypto world is right now. It is a very small, tight-knit group of people. So I think that just compounds how important it is to just treat these relationships with, with a lot of, of respect in the long run. Outside of that, folks, I... Hope you enjoyed this video. Would love to hear your thoughts on, on Bitcoin privacy as a whole. Um, is Bitcoin, does Bitcoin privacy matter? Is it private? Is the student, uh, student anonymity, does that really make that much of a difference? Or do you, does Bitcoin need to be fully anonymous for it to have its really true value in the long run? Would love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comments. Or if you're listening on the podcast, tweet me at crypto, crypto underscore Bobby. Thank you so much for your time. Signing out. Peace.